0: All right, good morning, Matt.
1: Good morning indeed. how are you doing? Not too bad not too bad.
0: I've actually been awake for a little while now.
1: uh well, I mean we're in different time zones, so yeah
0: what what it's nine for you, I guess. What time did you get up? uh I think it was around seven ish seven ish uh like normally yeah. normally when we're doing these, I'll set my alarm for like eight thirty and so I'll have just enough time to you know get rid of the body bodily fluids that have stored overnight <laughs> and
1: uh, yeah, I mean. I so that's six my time, which is not I mean, it's not like four or something, but uh, I have this tendency I've noticed to just like stay up Saturday night or whatever. There's like some kid thing and I don't get much time to myself through all of Saturday. So I I just I I just end up going to bed late. Um, So I I always come to these kind of (laughs) wrecked, which is uh, half my fault, at least. Um, So uh, good morning. Indeed, I think I slept maybe four hours
0: nice yeah nice indeed but, i mean nice. i mean i don't typically get much more than that I'll, I'll typically get five-ish six-ish uh i
1: find that's right where the border is though like if i get i don't usually get eight um even seven's kind of a push i can live off six or six and a half but once it dips under six is where i start to yeah. struggle i don't know how you feel five feels very different than six and then i less than five I mean, gen- one, two, three, four aren't that different. Generally, I feel pretty horrible.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. it's like I'll go like six days uh, being pretty manageable, but then by the time that seventh one yeah. rolls around, I'm I'm kind of zombie-like, and I yeah. need to do a little bit of catch-up.
1: Yeah, I know what that's like. That's kind of like uh, uh, me as well. Saturday, I usually sleep in just after it's been a kind of a week of not really getting too much sleep. Um, yeah. And then Sunday, I can go back to bed, so it's not the end of the world. yeah, nice. uh, yeah, yeah. So we were going to talk about game preservation, I believe.
0: Yeah, yeah. That was uh, we we ended last time announcing that, so now we we've got to do the follow up. Oh, we're stuck with it. <laughs> Can't change it. That's the law.
1: Yeah, right. I mean, I'm I I have all my little opinions about. Older games and, and what people should be doing and, and such. So I mean, it, it is interesting for me. I don't know if you're as uh, hotly opinionated.
0: Well, I mean, I'm I'm interested in in some sense. Like I'm not like uh, I don't know. I'm not like a huge enthusiast of like I've got to go research all of the CRTs. I mean, that's that's kind of what started the line of thinking is like last week we were talking about CRTs and it's like, as, as you know, I haven't even really used one in a long time. But right. I do really think it's a shame that stuff is being lost to time. Yep. And and like I was kind of experiencing, I was kind of bringing that up a little bit before that too because I had been playing uh, Dirge of Cerberus Final Fantasy Seven for playstation 2 and it's like my playstation 2 broke so that's that's just that's it <laughs> right like, yeah. like like the game doesn't exist anywhere else it it exists on that console and that console only so it's like i i can rip my bios from my semi-functioning thing that doesn't output video and then i can use an emulator using my own bios but that's kind of your only legal option mm-hmm it's like yeah. you, you can't like i guess it's not legal to even use someone else's bios you had to have bought a playstation 2 and ripped it yourself so it's a, it's a little weird because not everyone has that option uh and it's just like otherwise this game is lost to time
1: yep i mean i, I hear you uh i it's uh it's funny i mean i think a lot of people are just like what, why is this an issue? There's emulators, right? Like, you can just go back and play the old games. You'll always be able to, as long as yeah. we have Windows or whatever. People will write new emulators for new systems that come out. The ROMs are, are readily available there. Which, which, which is,
0: which is, I guess, fine from a technical standpoint. Of the, the people are making an effort to preserve stuff, but it's in this like legal area of like copyright law that's stupid in a sense like I'm, like like i am a creator i certainly support copyright but at the same time like does it make sense to like just keep something in like the disney vault quote unquote where like nobody can access yep. it
1: <laughs> yeah it's funny i mean i i that's something people often bring up but you look at like kind of how especially in the late 90s early 2000s Nintendo, in particular, I think even now you could say the same thing, really. But they were just like very diligent about going and stamping out all these ROM sites that were were uh, spinning up to to put like Super Nintendo ROMs and original Nintendo ROMs everywhere. And it, people would kind of get angry about it and push back and be like, "You guys aren't even selling these games anymore, and you haven't done anything with them forever." And I mean, I you know I get it. Of course, Nintendo has a lot of their properties in there, and they're very protective of them. And now you see, years later, they're they're releasing. Uh, I can't even rem- remember the name of it. Whatever it's called, Virtual Channel or whatever. With all the game releases, and I mean, Nintendo's kind of, uh, I mean, a weird example maybe because it, it's just something they do, and they have a lot of value in all their old their old franchises and stuff. But there's like a lot of um, companies that are, they don't even exist anymore, and their games are just kind of out there. And there's companies that really don't do anything with their old properties. I'm not trying to justify it. I agree with you. It's this weird gray zone and it feels <laughs> it's it's just one of those things that feels really weird. I mean, I myself was going and trying to like collect. I wouldn't quite say like every single original Nintendo, original Famicom game, but like effectively just just without much of a uh, end end goal in mind, just collecting as many as I could. And it just felt really weird after a while to just be buying these and nobody's benefiting like none of these companies are benefiting Yeah, And some of these games are so rare and usually bad when they're rare. Like they they didn't sell well. There's (laughs) some reason they're rare, right? They weren't like this massive hit. They're Um, rare
0: because they were buried in the desert.
1: Yeah, right. Whatever, whatever (laughs) it is. And it's just like going through this process, it just felt really silly after a while. And so, yeah, I mean, the the ability to just kind of lean on emulation to at least be able to play these games makes a lot of sense to me. One thing I think that uh, even emulators doesn't solve is, like, uh, all these games that would rely on uh, some sort of peripheral. Um, I mean, the super easy example is uh, the NES Zapper games, right? Um, You can emulate them and, like, use the mouse to represent the Zapper and and click on the game, but you're not really playing the game anymore, right? Like, it's just, like, (laughs) you're now able to observe what the game would have been like and be like, okay, cool, and then go on. Um, And then especially, there's a surprisingly large amount of... uh, uh, like Game Boy, Game Boy Color era portable games that, like, mm-hmm. they have some gimmick with them. Um, I'm trying to think of the title Kirby Tiltin Swirl or whatever that game is called, um, for example, where it's, like, depending on the orientation of the Game Boy, uh, like, different things happen. Like, it's effectively, like, one of those tilt tables, but it's Kirby instead of the ball, and you yeah. hold the Game Boy and do weird things. So the cartridge had an accelerometer in it. I mean, you can't trivially emulate a lot of these things, right? Like, those experiences really are, going to be lost to time especially as like there's so many game boys out there but like in some future where all the game boys have stopped working you would simply never be able to play that game certainly not in any form that resembled its original intended uh play style right
0: yeah well i mean i guess to an extent uh, like the game boy cartridges are going to be longer lasting like the final fantasy dirge of cerberus a game i just mentioned like that's that's gonna stop being functional sooner because it's a cd based game right
1: yeah um definitely I, i just think i guess like accessibility wise like if i was passionate about playing dirge of cerberus today and i was willing to spend the money i could go out and buy the cd buy the playstation yeah we talked about crts but assuming you can get your hands on a setup a hardware setup that satisfies you i guess those items, well, I don't know. Hard to say. There's probably... I mean, we could look these numbers up, but I mean, there's a lot of PlayStation 2s out there. There's a lot of uh, uh, Game Boys out there. Um, I guess, like, too, the the, um, the CD media is simpler and it's more copyable. You probably just... Again, I'm not supporting piracy yeah, yeah, in any yeah. form, but I mean, people would find a copy of the CD-ROM and then just, like, burn it and do whatever, right? Um, that's definitely going to be an easier process than recreating, like, the the... Custom uh, uh, cartridge that certain Game Boy games needed with their mm-hmm. accelerometers and whatnot. So yeah, um, I, I mean, I, I think it's it's sad, kind of. It's not just games, right? You look at other things that that um, kind of had their shot across history, and now that their time is done, no one really sees them as some sort of special art form that needs protecting. And now they're just they're just not available, right? Um, yeah,
0: well, I mean, that that was something that I actually wanted to guiltily admit to is <laughs> like we were talking about the the uh, Game Boy Advance stuff, mm-hmm. uh, uh, and I mentioned how I bought some of the games on eBay. Um, mm-hmm. any any G- Game Boy Advance game that I did acquire, whether from like Best Buy or or whatever, I threw out the box and booklets. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, because it, it was at a point where, like, I was in in college and didn't have storage space and stuff, so the fact that I had these tiny little cartridges that I could just keep in one tight space, it made sense. And I just threw out the rest. And it's it, uh, like the the box art and booklets and stuff is constantly something that I'm going back and saying, "Man, I miss those times. I, w- I wish that it was still what we were doing today." And I mean that's that's one side of it like the games themselves are disappearing but all the the box and and uh, booklets and stuff are completely disappearing too
1: yeah you know that's a really funny one um, it's funny because I find as games I guess as like times have moved forward we increasingly saw depending on the system of course too but like where like I guess the, the package was kind of more uh, I don't know uh, <laughs> I don't even know how you describe it like like, say, a, a jewel box for a CD, like, you're not mm. going to throw that out because you needed to hold the CD, so all the packaging is just in there. Yeah. So, like, it's pretty easy to go and find, say, like, a complete inbox copy of Final Fantasy VII or something compared to, like, Mario 1, right? Yeah. Um, part of that is just, like, kind of the way that uh, the newer games are in formats or maybe even just have smaller packaging, and so it just made sense to keep them. But then, like, a lot of these... The kind of older games, say like the Nintendo Super Nintendo era, have that double whammy of, um, like one cartridges were pretty trivial to just store alone, so a lot of people would just throw the things out, but also, like, I guess, I think that's before people were thinking about preservation and before people really even cared about, I guess, like games as any sort of medium worth preserving. Like, to people back then, it was still kind of just toys, right? Mm. But, um, I always think of the example, I always think of, um, transformers like the the toys i don't know if you played with them when you were little they're kind of yep. like just before our time or we we kind of caught the tail end of it i guess um but um i, I used to be i don't not, not anymore but i used to be really like into toy collecting but not really like some as someone who does it more as someone who's like fascinated by the phenomena itself hmm. um, and so i was always looking into like this all these transformers collectors and at the time these are just action figures that kids play with right so no one would care about anything. They'd buy their kids the toys. They'd immediately open it and throw the box out. Um, and so, like, nowadays, because back then everyone who got Transformers and was playing with them would throw the box out, it's very rare to find, yeah. like, a fully in uh like, specimen, right? Um, basically, when they show up, it's because it was, like, at the back of some store for years and years. And no one even knew it existed there, and then it got found. Or, like, someone bought it. They were going to give it to their their whatever nephew and then they put it in their attic and forgot about it or, or yeah. died or something. Like, it's just weird things. Right. Um, and so they're like, they go for these massive prices. And the funny thing is it, it, you kind of see where that border is. It's like, that's for like the original, original transformers. And then all series of transformers since bar some, you know, unique misprint or something that's super rare. For the most part, it's quite easy to find those fully packaged, um, uh, c- copies of different toys because, people kind of realized like there's this market for having these in good condition. So now when the new generations of transformers come out, a whole bunch of collectors go and buy them and store them really nicely. Yeah. And so it's almost like once people caught on to this and once this mentality of like, you know, hey, if we do store this, it'll be worth money someday. I'm going to hold on to this. Once that kind of kicked in, um the the market effectively died, right? I can't just go buy some cool transformer somewhere and then hold on to it 20, 30 years and just assume it's going to be worth some thousands of dollars where that's kind of the case for those original Transformers. If you go back in time, for the most part, most of them are just so hard to get a hold of in perfect condition. They're all worth that much, right? And yeah. then games kind of have the same thing, um, where like people are just they just treat the stuff more nicely now. Uh back in the NES days, for example, like I I, f- I feel like even if you were as like a however year old, seven-year-old or something really passionate about keeping everything there's a good chance your care your parents would just have thrown it out on you right like the box yeah. and, and whatnot um so yeah i feel the pain i feel it
0: yeah yeah it's it's weird because like i i totally didn't respect the box art yeah uh and now as an adult it's it that stuff feels like so nostalgic to me that I'm i'm just kicking myself
1: Oh man, I I don't really collect collect stuff anymore, and games included. But like, I remember when I was collecting stuff, and I bought the perfect mint condition, full in box, blah, blah 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 version of uh, Dragon Warrior Two. Yeah, it's just so it's, yeah, it's it's amazing. Kind of like opening like, that perfect packaging and like
0: with, like the world map and
1: everything. It's just so so nice. Like first of all, just the quality of uh, uh, the packaging and stuff. Yeah. Um, from that era is just amazing. Uh, and it's also super nostalgic the way they did things, right? You'd flip over the box. There's actually pictures from in-game all over the place and all the, like, cheesy, like, whatever, like, slogans with exclamation marks everywhere. It's, it's kind
0: of funny because, I mean, I can't get too into it, but, like, I, I'm, I'm a game developer and, and I'm actually working on what are we going to do for our in-game map? Mm-hmm. And it's, like, it's, it's kind of a funny concept to me because it's like obviously every modern game has maps in it like you open up your map and you you put your stuff on it but it's like back in the day on the NES like Dragon Warrior and and it Final was a map? it was you had physical. a physical map like Star <laughs> Tropics you had a physical map and people
1: liked that That was awesome <laughs> if you were the kid with the map you were the cool kid in the group right
0: yeah <laughs> it, 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 that that seems so bananas to me that like now we have to like figure out okay how how is anyone going to figure out where they are on the map but it's like back in the day it's just like you just had to look at a map and figure it out (laughs) like yeah
1: (laughs) which is funny that's really funny we're i think we're hitting on one more thing i think is is interesting about games it kind of applies to the i guess maybe like the the transformers example too but i think it contrasts interestingly with say film where like there is definitely a culture of, of film preservation and trying to like Like make sure that certain films are not lost to time. The films are a lot easier because it's like it's just it's just the film, right? It's like a two-hour video, effectively, right? Or whatever. In many cases, Um, where like I guess like say some film from the '70s, like some group of people got together and made this film and released it to the movies uh, to the theaters. Maybe there's different versions or there's deleted scenes, and we can talk about all the extra content that goes on the DVD and stuff. But it's not like games where like um, some game has an associated package packaging and then it has an associated system and it was released from some year and available until some other year and it's like that's it now it's time is done and it's gone and if you want to preserve that like there's a specific packaging and and specific piece of hardware that matches that game and all these things like film as long as you have that like like it's it's kind of rare that maybe like there's some specific packaging that that is like that went with the film I guess like unless you're you're really passionate about collecting whatever original release DVDs or something but like I mean, imagine how many different copies of Raiders of the Lost Ark there are on VHS or something
0: well yeah I mean to be fair I think there is a, a little bit of craziness going on in the film like if you look for example Star Wars mm-hmm. uh, it's like how much screaming has there been from fans just, just give us the original version like, because they, they, Lucas wasn't happy with it and he went in and, and added edits and then, like, refused to ever release additional copies of the original cut. Like, it's, it's like you have to get the stuff with the replaced visual effects and, you know, who shot first, huh? <laughs> Margredo, right?
1: Yeah. You're, you bring up a really good example. Even like you bring, you mentioned the Disney Vault. Um, I yeah. think there's, there's weird, there's like censorship things happening. I don't know. I don't, I'm sure you remember when Disney movies, there was like one or two that had like whatever, I don't know, someone spliced in an adult scene or something. And now they just like took the movie off the market or something. Like you can't, you certainly just can't trivially buy the original with like whatever scenes get snuck in right now. There's the the censored version.
0: Um, Which, which which, I mean, that was a point of interest for me too. Cause like one of my favorite films growing up was Braveheart. Uh, And it's like, I didn't get to see it in the theater, so I don't know what, quote unquote, the authentic version is, uh, but my introduction to it was on, I believe, NBC, <laughs> and and what's interesting is that a lot of the times when stuff is sent to, when films are sent to TV, it's like you'll see that message at the beginning that says, like, this thing has been formatted to fit your TV or whatever, because... Pan and it, scan. Well, it can be pan and scan, but, you know, depending on how the film was shot, there may be, and, like, there's lots of people who are into CinemaScope, which is the 2.35 aspect ratio, and there's Mm -hmm. there's this weird thing where, like, film has been shot at different resolutions and stuff, sometimes it's wider, sometimes it's taller, and depending on whether you're watching it on Blu-ray or in the theater or on TV, they're going to edit it differently, and then for TV as well, because they have different regulations on like how much violence they can show or how much sex they Mm -hmm. can show and stuff. They may also edit out some of that stuff and then edit in stuff that was edited. That wasn't in the theatrical version. Yeah. Like Braveheart has a scene in it that, uh, I, I, well, there's, there's a scene in it that wasn't in the theater. That's not on any of the Blu-ray or VHS, but it was on the NBC version.
1: Hmm. I've heard of that from various movies. Uh, I know Back to the Future has a few weird scenes in it, like only in the TV version and same with some of the Star Trek movies. They, they use like alternate takes. Yeah. And I think it's, it's partially for some of these reasons. It's like the take, the, the take they used in the cinematic version in the, in the theater um, looks great or whatever. But when you, when you crunch that to the TV aspect ratio, suddenly like you can't fit everyone in, but they had this alternate take where everyone's kind of standing more closely together for that scene. So use that. And they they go to that level of effort to to make the TV version. Um, I think I think you bring up something interesting. I'm not sure. I feel like that's that's a problem you you don't see in games actually. Where like film, I mean, the struggle would be more about finding the authentic version or like kind of having different versions of the film lost to time or something, right? I know there's a lot of like um, there's there's a lot of movies. I don't know if this is still a problem but there's like a lot of movies that i remember when i was a kid were just really hard to find and you'd find them on some cheap bootleg vhs or something and it would be like say like i was trying to collect like jetly Li movies um, yeah. i'm sure that's that's probably a really poor example because i'm sure they're readily available nowadays but at the time it was like really hard to find anything that wasn't like super cheap with this terrible transfer and then like it was probably dubbed right and like that was just in the west trying to find a chinese movie of course but like i don't know it's like there's so many kind of like neutered versions of the film out there. And then once those are the ones that proliferate and become common, I imagine I haven't like gone hunting for torrents or anything, but I mean, I imagine if you went and looked at like what's out there just on the internet for some of these things, those, those, you know, not really legit versions are the ones that are common for some of these, I bet.
0: Well, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm kicking myself now for not leaving my tab open uh someone someone had recommended an animation on twitter like a week or so ago and Mm. and it was apparently uh uh, what's it called oav the 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 japanese anime stuff that wasn't done for theaters wasn't done for like commercial releases it was like straight to tv Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh and it's like or i guess the opposite it wasn't on tv it was straight to video yeah um and like they posted a couple clips on on Twitter, and like this is what exp- inspired me to get into animation, and it's so amazing. And it's like I looked it up, and it's like I can't find it. Yeah. Anywhere, <laughs> I, like I can't find it on torrents or like anywhere. And it's it's like I guess that's almost like the the problem there of like the preservation stuff, where it's like some of this stuff that's like supposedly great quality and it just disappears. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, I guess it's. Probably every every uh, medium or whatever has its own quirks that that people have to consider when looking at trying to preserve them. I guess. I mean, the film example is interesting, but I mean, there's probably. I don't really have a good example. Say like films from the '50s. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like they were almost already kind of older when when TV was getting to be a hit in the mm-hmm. in the. Maybe I'm just full of shit. I don't know. But like <laughs> say say movies from the '30s. Like they probably there's probably not like a hundred million different versions on VHS. Well they, well, they
0: didn't have VHS back yeah. then, right? Yeah,
1: <laughs> basically like you film the movie, okay, it's done. Okay, um, maybe get rid of the film rolls, but assuming you do keep them, they're in some warehouse somewhere with them, which might a bunch burn of them. yeah, which many many times did, um, and then like it just sits there for decades until suddenly there's this thing called TV, and suddenly there's like like people can actually have movies at home. Look, uh, it's a, it's called a VCR and whatever, right? And then you pull them out and like like actually. Um, transfer them so that people have access to them again. And for the movie to still exist today, it had to have survived that period. <laughs> and yeah. it's funny because like you look at like, um, if you look at older Japanese movies, a larger amount of them are lost because when Japan was bombed in World War II, they, they just disintegrated. Like the fact the the storage places burned down i mean you can imagine countries at war it wasn't a priority to make sure that their movies don't burn down they wanted to make sure their people survived right um, yeah and i
0: mean i mean film was notoriously flammable as well mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. Uh, the, i mean when i was in the school that i went to had more than one fire break out. like when people were shooting their animation to film like that was a big reason to move to the digital era mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> yep yep um I don't know. I mean, going back to games, how do you feel about that kind of stuff? Like, if if I was to give my opinion quickly, I guess, I'm, I mean, for, say, older video games, I think you can, it's easy enough to have the ROM, right? And then, of course, that's copied everywhere. So it exists all across the internet. So like the game itself is easy to preserve. But then what's lost easily is the packaging. But is it good enough to just like have a really good digital scan of, of like the original packaging in great condition and store that on the internet for everything, everywhere across all versions.
0: Well, th- well, uh, that's, that's one thing that I was thinking. Cause there's a, a book by Steve Jarrett called super Famicom, the box art collection, mm-hmm. um, which, uh, it, what it is, is like it's a, a little write up on what the box art was, but it's also a photo of the box art of tons of games. Like I've, mm-hmm. I've got a picture open on Amazon and it's like Muscle Bomber and NBA Jam and uh, Turtles in Time and stuff. And it's, it's neat. Like it, it totally lets you see what the front of the box art was, but you're still missing the sides and back and top and bottom.
1: And every page of the instruction manual and that yeah.
0: feeling when you open it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like, it, it, I don't know. It's nice that there's an effort being made, but it's also like sad that it's not like the full experience.
1: Comprehensive. I mean, I, I actually think that's exactly a problem. Like the fact that people are, are publishing books like that and that's a thing versus like just, I mean, if ROM collections, for example, came with like scans of every side and every spec, last spec of, of each, excuse me, of each game including the instruction books or something like I'm, that sounds like a huge copyright violation of yeah. many companies. I know, but I'm just saying like if, if something like that was okay and existed out there, you know, that's to me, that's pretty close. Um, something I've felt collecting games over like many years is just like, it becomes a storage nightmare quickly. And so yeah, when it comes to preserving games where there's no strong kind of high level, uh, effort happening like there's no companies that are invested in this there's certainly no countries invested in this it's very different than say art where like governments fund museums and storage areas to store original art and protect them like there's no yeah. there's ne- there'll never be an effort for games like that right it's all like these grassroots um little yeah. things or like maybe a couple of people get together and kind of build this little museum thing or something um and so like it's really hard to find any sort of adequate i guess like comprehensive Collection of that stuff. Um, I, I doubt that book has like every single game across whatever systems, right? It's like no, selections it, it, right?
0: It's it's like Super Nintendo specifically, but like how many games were on that? Mm-hmm. Like th- so, this this features two hundred and fifty titles,
1: which is still pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually have, uh, yeah. I guess, like the Japanese version of that. There's like a a, bu- a couple books for a few different systems. I bought like a series of them a while ago, and they're they're for every game it's effectively like a catalog and they give like a, a page for each. So it's this huge fat, fat thing, but it's like, it's the same thing. right? I like that. It's so comprehensive. It's all original releases for that system, which is impressive. But for the most part, it's like smallish picture of the box, smallish picture of the cartridge, and then one or two sample images. Mm. So you kind of get that. That's kind of like, that's pretty good. The, the front of the box and the front of the cartridge. Great. But yeah, you're missing like all the, all the side and back um, are you missing all the instruction books? You're missing all the extras. I don't it, know it, it's. it's it, it could be.
0: I mean, and then there's the the problem that those books themselves are out of print. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, or how long it, will they ever be in print? Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But but what I was gonna say is, I mean, one thing that's interesting is the uh, uh, the Sega Genesis, uh, Sega Mega Drive classics and Sega Genesis classics. There's a, a on Steam. Like mm-hmm. you can buy Micro Machines or Renegade or Rambo or some other stuff. But mm-hmm. they, they do this neat little setup where um, it, it's like a bedroom from the 90s. I played this recently, and actually, very recently. And or and you can have like posters on the wall and <laughs> yeah. like a CRT setup and stuff and, and, and all your games on the shelf. And it's like that's the sort of thing that like as VR becomes more uh, palatable Mm-hmm. Like when we get like really nice high resolution stuff with like nice haptic feedback, like gloves that you can interact with stuff. That'll be a cool way to preserve the stuff, I think, <laughs> is is to be able to have that collection of like every Nintendo game and be able to open up the boxes and look at the, the booklets and stuff.
1: Yeah, I think it's awesome if people actually go through and do that, right? I think you're still relying on the right people, yeah. and the right amount of effort in to get it right.
0: Like, like we've got to even preserve what's there long enough to get to that state where, <laughs> yeah, we we can then preserve it like that, right?
1: Yeah. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Um, yeah, I I I think there's. I mean, you call it the second one. I I forget what it was. There was like a, I think there might be a VR, um, like kind of basically that in VR, which yeah. I mean, as you call out, VR is not really at the stage where that's like the full experience necessarily. But it was, it was for um, Commodore sixty four, I think. Uh, there was like it's like the, you have a generic, awful-looking monitor, and you have like you're in a room, and it looks like the '70s or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and like uh, it's it's interesting. It's it's not just you that thinks that. I guess would be the the point. Like there's actually kind of an appetite for that.
0: Yeah. Every every now and then, I'll see like these posters that people do where it's like a painting of like the '90s bedroom that's like just covered <laughs> in game paraphernalia, and it's like it makes my heart just like want to be <laughs> there
1: <laughs> just just for one day a week right yeah yeah, yeah i i wonder i don't know I, and you watch like 80s or not even 90s movies and sometimes like the the teenage main character is like in their room and there's posters yeah, yeah. everywhere I'm, i don't i don't remember being all about like posters on the wall growing up i don't know but it's still the, the nostalgia's still uh through the roof watching the scenes for sure yeah oh, uh
0: okay. one 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 thing that's interesting though like you were mentioning like the grassroots movement mm-hmm. um i became familiar with frank Sefaldi. I, I hope that's how you pronounce his last name uh a, a while ago and he's got the gamehistory.org mm-hmm. website and like i remember seeing a talk from him a few years back because um as someone who has always been into like rom hacking and stuff i guess he discovered that for the wii version of Super Mario Bros Nintendo basically downloaded yeah a pirated <laughs> version of Mario yeah how did and they find
1: then... out they found like there was an embedded header in the rom or something yeah yeah exactly somebody had shoved it in there yeah
0: so so i'm pretty sure that was him that had like discovered that uh, okay. and then like because he had been like so into rom hacking and stuff as a kid like he was the one that helped uh, update with the 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 DuckTales game and I believe he had a hand in the the new Mega Man collections too. <laughs> but yeah. what's, what's interesting is like he's this gamehistory.org. Like they're really into trying to preserve games, but they're also trying to preserve game magazines.
1: That's awesome. Yep. yep. Uh,
0: so like I, I came across a tweet April 29th here. He uh, says, before I mail out one of game history orgs blind box magazines, which you can find at gamehistory.org slash shop. I make sure it's been scanned online. If not, I put it in a donate to Scanning Group box. So it's like people are just like sending in all their old game magazines like GamePro and right Nintendo Power and all that stuff. And then yep. they scan it and then like whatever copies are duplicates you can now buy blind magazines where they'll just mail one of them out to you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's like the coolest thing ever. I wonder how long, uh... <laughs> I mean, it's weird too. Like you think of the lifespan of a human, like for us, like game pro, you say game pro and it's like, wow, the nineties, I remember reading about whatever, like Sega game came out and they had the faces and stuff, but yeah. like our kids won't care. Right. There's no nostalgia. So, so it's different. I think for like, again, I go back to film. Like I watch like thirties monster movies. Like I wasn't alive. It was way before I was alive, but will people yeah. still care about like games and stuff? Will people still care about gaming magazines? Like, I like that the effort is happening now because someday no one's going to care. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just kind of an interesting thing to think about.
0: So yeah, it's a. Uh, well, I think, I think I saw that like uh, the official PlayStation magazine just stopped print. Mm, yeah. So so I mean I was honestly surprised to even learn that they were making it because I've literally not seen a video game magazine in a store in years um Hmm. and like i look every now and then and i have not seen one in any store in in multiple parts of the world i feel like Um,
1: yeah like video game magazines it must be quite a different market if there's even really much of a market there anymore than like 10 20 years ago yeah Um, You just think of, or like, especially like whatever, when we were kids, pre-internet and so forth, like that was important to even know what was out there. That was important to understand how to play these games and like you get passwords and whatnot. Now with internet, like it's probably wiped a lot of kind of like magazine stuff. But when it comes to games, especially like, I don't know, you're probably like me. We just get all the info off the internet and and there's less need for any sort of magazine, right?
0: Mm. Yeah. I mean, the, the exciting part for me was like whenever I was on a flight I would buy a game magazine and that would that would be it but when I was younger uh like the official PlayStation magazine for example came mm-hmm. with a demo CD. Yeah, yeah. Yep.
1: Yep. <laughs> yep. How are they going to did they do they scan the demo CD ROM when they're uh, when they're sto- scanning the
0: <laughs> I wonder I wonder if you can magazine. find those. Like I wonder uh, I as ROMs still have if you some. can find those. I thought
1: that. that. I wondered that actually. I have wondered that. I had some, there's like some demos are really nostalgic even. Like, of course, it'd make more sense to have the real game, but just to play the demo again and get that screen that I'd played a million times saying, here's how you play it, it's not the real version, and jump into the demo game. Like, I'd I'd love to pull one of those out and and play them again, to be honest.
0: Oh, it looks like like there are some stuff that exists on archive.org. I wonder how,
1: I mean, it's probably pretty spotty, I would guess.
0: Yeah, well, I mean... there, there's places that you can find them like i just searched playstation right. magazine demo rom and and there's like there there are websites hosting rom so that's that's interesting hmm. uh, i'll have to investigate that's 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 another part of the preservations like <laughs> well i
1: mean do you preserve like every every last damn thing or is it good enough to kind of say here's the original here's the like final original release of the game and everything that came with it well i cool. mean
0: like arguably the only version of final fantasy 8 that's worth playing is the demo
1: <laughs> yeah the demo was different actually right like you can't have that experience in the actual game yeah I, i'm sure that that demo was out there somewhere i'm absolutely sure that's out there you can find videos of it on youtube for example yeah which i mean that's that's pretty much all you need isn't it really
0: I, I guess one of the big parts with the the preserving of the, the old games is, like, we, we talked about, like, disc rot. Some stuff will f- physically disappear, and, like, yep. system availability, some of that will disappear. I mean, casually, there's, like, the whole input leg mm-hmm. situation, too, right? Like, yeah. uh, we were mentioning last time, I, I had tried playing, like, Mega Man 7, I think, on PlayStation 2, and it's, like, Eight frame input leg versus like god the awful. one frame on the super nintendo yep it's like there's definitely a, a a huge part of this whole experience where even if stuff is getting duplicated it's like the experience is getting lost
1: yeah i mean i think that's a big part of it actually where like because the game is linked to some specific hardware and that hardware has its own requirements right or or quirks i'll even say like if if a game is only available on the original playstation and it didn't get much love you know yeah you can do the emulator yeah yeah yeah. but like uh, for the most part um if you're willing to go and get a playstation you now need a crt or you need to go through an upscaler or like the stuff we talked about last time and just getting the setup in place is difficult right and and I see that as another challenge for sure for preservation. The other thing, I guess, one quick thing that mention, mentioned, um, when you think of like the 90s or whatever, at the time PlayStation 1 was out and it was the big new CD-based gaming system. Wow, look how, whatever, how, how big these games are, or, like how much video is in them and whatnot. At the time, like emulation meant like cartridge games really, right? And I remember you would talk about how like Nintendo 64 ROMs at the time. Well, I mean still the case obviously, but like at the time Nintendo 64 ROMs were 12 megabytes or something and that was mm. big, right? Like most Super Nintendo games were like half a megabyte. These were like small small things. And just very suddenly, I mean Ninten- Nintendo 64 games, like the biggest one is like 20 megabytes or 30 or 40 or whatever, right? And a single PlayStation disc is almost a gigabyte, right? Mm. It's like 600 megabytes, I guess half a gigabyte or whatever. You have all these multi-disc games. To store the entire Super Nintendo library on a hard drive is trivial, right? It's, like, less than a gigabyte. I'm sure with yeah. with every single version of every single game, it's, like, a couple gigs, whatever. But, like, PlayStation games, if you wanted every single game, just because it's you're copying CDs, just think of how much space you need, right? I mean, it's, that's going to be...
0: Bananas in the future too. I mean, maybe exactly. we'll look back in twenty years and be like oh, terabyte. Yeah, <laughs> indeed, right. <laughs> but I mean, uh, the whole like
1: Murphy's law and all that stuff is starting to yeah. like we're hitting our actual limits now. Um, well, it's
0: it's it's, it's silly because I have a PlayStation Five, right? And mm-hmm. it's like I got a PlayStation Plus subscription, so I'm I'm able to get like I think like three games every month that I could download, mm-hmm. plus the ones that I've actually bought and stuff. It's like I I i don't have enough space for the games you own it's been half a year since i got my playstation 5 and i don't have enough space for the games i own and some of like modern games it's like it's like 80 gigabytes or something right yeah 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 yeah,
1: absolutely yeah i mean we talk now about the challenges of preserving games from the 80s 90s 2000s it's going to be insane in like 30 years to play anything from right now i mean i think they'll exist somewhere and you could it'll, it'll be like Maybe they'll be digitally distributable, but even like, like PlayStation Three games, like you can't play PlayStation Three games on a PlayStation Four or a PlayStation Five. No, and which
0: which which got a lot of people worked up very recently because yeah. Sony announced that they were closing the store. So
1: now, how do you even get those games? You had to have so, already bought them on the PlayStation Three that you already own. Yeah. Period. Like, they,
0: so so they announced that like PlayStation uh, Three, PS Vita, and PSP the stores were all retiring on mm-hmm. July 2nd of this year. Mm-hmm. And there were, I guess so many people that were upset about the PlayStation three and Vita closing down because like, there's just no option to, <laughs> to play those games. Yeah. yeah. Um, that Sony relented and they've announced that they're going to keep those two stores open. Really? I didn't know that. Yep. Huh. PSP well, is still closing. Hmm. I mean, it,
1: it, I'm not like some Uber capitalist or anything, but it makes it makes sense when you think that this is just a business. They're just a company, they're making shit. they want to make money when the service is not popular, they shut it down and move on with their lives, right? They could even make the argument like, if you didn't already buy this game that's ten plus years old, what what why would you suddenly buy it now and just not yeah. not care and move on? Like I see the motivation from their side when they think that way. It's like the people well, running the company and making these decisions aren't even necessarily passionate about preservation. They're probably just like, CEOs that went to business school and got hired to make sure the company's profitable, right? Yeah. Next, what's the next project? Go, go, go.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's it's weird. Like there's still, uh, where is it here? I've got a, a wish list somewhere. Like there's there are still games that I have been considering getting. Like Legend of Dragoon is on PlayStation 1. And right now you can get that for PS3 and, and PSP and that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, Persona 2 is available for those three systems, like the Misadventures of Tron Bon, Valkyria Chronicles 2 like there's there's some of these games that if if those stores close there's like, it's suddenly a lot harder to, to get it that's, um,
1: that's almost weird too, preservation wise, because that's a very different thing, like the digital copy is kind of like the go-to version, you're not kind of playing this weird, neutered version but it's almost like It's in control. Like its availability is being controlled by some corporation, and we're at their mercy if we if we want to have access to that game in the future, right?
0: Which is kind of scary about like the Disney Plus world and stuff too. Is like as we move away from physical media, we're going to see that happening.
1: And as Disney buys the world, yeah,
0: (laughs) yeah, yeah, that'll happen. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Um, but yeah, it's 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 totally weird when you have systems and it's like they become up. Like, if you think of the PlayStation Five, um, they sell versions where you can't use discs. There's no disc drive. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, in that world where Sony sells you a PlayStation Five, and then in fifteen years they decide, okay, we're closing the PS Five store, then it's just like, what do you do?
1: The end. Yep. <laughs> Dot period. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I
1: know it's it's funny. I mean, one thing about that that I guess uh, question is that uh, I think it's a different challenge when it comes to preservation. Like, I mean, mm. you have the digital game; it is the game. If you have it, you have it. If you don't have it, you don't have it. It's almost like just getting access to it. Where, like, well, it's
0: it's it's weird in one sense too. Sorry to, to no go ahead. If if this isn't the direction you're going, but it's weird <laughs> in that. The day one build is not the same as the day two build. <laughs> you do get these different.
1: <laughs> that indeed is is. It's a, that's a, that's another interesting topic where like they update games over time. Even that like sometimes a game is fun and then they release an update that actually makes the game maybe worse or like certainly different. Right? It's not strictly a bug fix or something. They, you have fighting games where they patch. They put in patches that nerf characters and stuff, and then people are upset yeah. because they liked how it was, and then when it comes to preserving these games, it's almost like the star Wars special edition where no future release ever is going to just be V four when there's a V seven now, like maybe there was some popular kind of mid version somewhere, but that's, that's just lost to time. Like they're only going to ever re-release and kind of continue to make available the last version. Right.
0: Well, what's one thing that I'm finding very silly, uh, Mind you, I don't know enough about World of Warcraft to know if I'm just interpreting it wrong. But Mm -hmm. from what I understand, uh, there were enough people that were playing on like a pirated server of the original World of Warcraft that uh, uh, Blizzard eventually relented and, and released the original version again. (laughs) <laughs> so, so you can now like subscribe and play the original World of Warcraft with with like all the original settings that it it had. And now, like I've just gone to the website and it's a, I see World of Warcraft Burning Crusade Classic on June first, twenty to twenty one. Uh, you're now going to be able to go into a a, a campaign <laughs> for the original. <laughs> like they're re-releasing it in stages again too. <laughs> I mean, that, there
1: you go. There you go. Exactly. There you go. There you go. I mean, there's, in at least in some cases, there's demands for like pre final versions of stuff. And that's almost certainly something that's going to be harder and harder to get access to. Um, wasn't quite the direction I'm going. It's a very interesting thing to think about. Uh, it's exactly like the Star Wars Special Edition thing where just like previous versions, you have to have some maybe have already gotten it and never updated it or something. Even then, like games where you can only play online if you've updated to the latest version, like you're not going to be playing online with people on that yeah. version you like because it, it is effectively doesn't exist anymore for the most part, right? It's interesting they're doing that with World of Warcraft. Um, I guess just like what I, was, what I was getting at is like when it comes to preserving older games, having the game might not... enough right like did you get the box with it did you get yeah like what version of it or what condition is it in right it goes back to more like the transformers thing like hey here's the best copy of whatever you know whoever megatron x and and this is the best version we can find and the arm is missing right whereas like when a game was originally released digitally and that's how most people bought it probably in 50 years if you have it you you just you have it that's it right and so it's more like an availability issue than like a keep the best best conditioned version that exists
0: somewhere. it 's it, it's, it's interesting the way they did that with gog.com dot com mm-hmm. uh, because there 's like the old Sierra games, like the police quest games, mm-hmm. and the way they did uh anti piracy stuff back then is you had to have the booklet so that you could like uh, the, they like an hour into the game they 'd like ask you a question of like who is this suspect or something yeah. you had to open up the book and find the the information if you
1: lost the book guess what yeah
0: (laughs) so so it's interesting because they they have to include like the pdfs of the book when you buy the game from them in order to to be able to play the game Mm -hmm.
1: because i've seen uh it's funny that's almost nostalgic too like i'm 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 like yeah i remember that but it was so annoying at the time (laughs) yeah i i've seen like you can i've seen re-releases of games and the games use that mechanism but but um like, a lot of the questions, they weren't, like, you know, who is it that does this? And then you have to go and actually read a bunch of, like, history to find out what character they're talking about to answer the question. It was, like, what is the seventh letter on the fifth line on page 20? Like, just so explicit, right? Yeah. yeah. And so when they re-release it, instead of giving you the whole instruction book, they have a list of, like, 40, like, Tenth letter, seventh line, ninth page. X. Yeah, and yeah, just yeah. like that. <laughs> it's it's really silly, but uh, another. I, I have a funny one of those. Actually, it's related to preservation, so I'll mention it. Um, just in terms of like, it's related to being able to properly play a game X years after its release. But um, yeah. my, uh, I inherited an Atari ST from my grandfather when I was very little, and that yeah. was a very very interesting system. But they had a whole bunch. Like he had mounds and mounds of games for it, and he had the original Leisure Suit Larry. Which identified itself as this adult game, and you know, if you're a kid, you can't play it. And it was it was not an anti piracy measure, but it was an anti like kid measure, I guess, like trying to, trying to make sure only adults play the game. The game opened up with a quiz. You would to answer all the questions in the quiz for the yeah. game to launch, and if you couldn't, it kicked you out. Yeah, and it was to prove you were an adult, and the questions were like this actor was in this movie and this scene was popular recently. Who's the actor? And like stuff that like, yeah, if you were an adult, like a plugged in adult in whatever, 81 or whenever the game came out, um, you could probably answer those. But like in the future, no one's going to know who half these people are or what these questions even are, right? Like you would just have to have a, a version that lets you in no matter what or something, right? I remember some of the, like I remember at the time I didn't know who Marlon Brando was. And yeah. he was the answer for one of the questions. Luckily, it was multiple choice. You didn't have to like type stuff. Right. So of course, I would just tap buttons and start to get to know what the right answers were. To the point where eventually I knew all the right answers, and I could generally get in. Yeah. Um, But I mean, that kind of like like when there's a historical context you need to know to even be able to play a game. That's that's crazy to me.
0: Yep. Yep. Well. Yeah, I'm. I'm just noticing the time here now, and we didn't even talk about what games we're playing right now. But I I think we got to wrap up.
1: Sure, I'm happy to uh, answer that question very quickly. I'm actually just finishing up uh, EVO on the Super Nintendo. Oh yeah, I am. Yes,
0: there you go. There I go. How? What? What did you end up thinking of it? It was obviously good enough to play all the way through. (laughs)
1: Um, so I feel this way often about older games where there's so much potential and like in the hands of like some passionate, I don't know, indie developer, if they were to sit down and like make the game or make a very similar game today, maybe they could make an amazing game, but just like maybe whatever conditions at the time, maybe even technological limitations, uh, just didn't produce as good a game as it could have so the concept is really cool but especially as you play the game it just feels really lazy like the levels are insanely lazy you'll start a level and it's just this flat path you walk to the right until it ends and there's like 50 of the same bad guy and you just kill them and then go on and you've beaten the level like there's so many levels like that there's so many music tracks that are just like 10 second loops like i'm scratching my head it just feels like they ran out of time and just half-assed the whole second half of the game. So. The game was really fun and interesting, and I find that the entire second half is just like, okay, whatever, go go go, with an occasional interesting level. So, felt like a uh, missed opportunity is what I would. S- final final decision rating on it, I guess, is what I'd say.
0: Right. Well, at least you're uh, at least you're having fun then.
1: I mean, it's a short game. Whatever, <laughs> it's not really wasting my time. There's no cutscenes yeah. that are making me rage, so...
0: Yeah, well, I mean, so I started to play Final Fantasy... Uh, no, sorry. I started to play Mega Man 7. Uh, <sighs> I hate the <that> game. <laughs> I, I hated it. I hated it. I mean, I, I stopped it largely because it was just so unresponsive, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like, that it wasn't worth playing, but, like, I was annoyed before I ever even got to do my first jump or shoot. Uh, annoyed by well you start off Everything in a like demo shit. and you're like on a train mm-hmm. or like a bus or something being driven by a, a robot mm-hmm. and there's like the story going on and then you stop and then the robot who's driving you gives you a construction helmet to wear and talks yeah. about how it's not the right helmet mm-hmm. and gives you your actual and I'm just like let me play the game <laughs> you know how I feel I about just... this <laughs> <laughs> oh, seven so was... oh. Yeah. So, so seven, I, I is probably the the shortest amount of time I've played a game. I'm, I'm pretty sure on the Super Nintendo I beat that back in the day. But uh, when I decided to replay it, I, I lasted about 15 minutes and then uh, I've marked it off as quote unquote done. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm pretty sure I beat it, and that's good enough for me. Seven yeah. was not a favorite of mine. I've certainly beaten it. I remember that really tough boss. I remember the fact that very suddenly coming off six and then going to seven, um, McMahon yeah. is like way, way bigger on the screen and moves kind of differently and it wasn't an improvement and I was really annoyed. It felt like they are definitely going for like the visual improvement and then yeah. they, they forgot to try and make a better game. I don't know. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It, it's just a weird game, especially since it came out after X. Yeah, Maybe even after X2. Maybe not. Definitely after X though.
0: Definitely after X. Yeah. Um. But uh, but other than that, I, I finally wrapped up uh, Paper Mario the Origami King with my kid. Mm-hmm and uh that was a good game cool uh it was uh, definitely solid overall and uh so my kid was really into it and then today is mother's day that when we're actually recording so for mother's day he's really into making crafts and stuff mm-hmm. for his mom <laughs> so uh so we uh i bought some origami paper and uh, we made some origami for her. He, 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 we spent literally all day yesterday doing that. And when I woke up this morning, at like, I got out of bed at like 7.30 or so. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I went out, like he was in the living room with the, his tablet on YouTube looking at origami stuff, trying to make more origami. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's nice. I so, Having not played the game, I don't know just how heavy the origami uh, component is to the game.
0: Uh, the whole premise is that, uh, the game starts off and there's going to be an origami festival Okay. and, uh, someone, uh, disrupts the festival, uh, and starts turning characters into origami. Hmm. So, so it's like the game is very, you never actually fold any in the game, but there are characters that are made out of it and there's props that are made out of it and stuff
1: okay it's kind of neat i can see the, how that would fit with the theme i mean I, I played the original paper mario and then none since, so i yeah. i might have a, a out-of-date version in my mind of what that game series is like but
0: i mean it's it's char- characters made out of paper so it, that was like
1: now yeah, they're just folded
0: <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> um but but it, it was good it got him interested in that and so we we made like a paper hearts and butterflies and uh we made a boo from the mario game <laughs> yeah so, like that was that was the project that he, we were planning on making and we did the other stuff to like warm up into it and learn how to do the origami and stuff and and so like you know butterflies got a little bit of dimensionality to it uh mostly flat the heart was flat mm-hmm. but then the boo is like fully three-dimensional Interesting and and it, it was tricky to do, uh, but it, it was it was fun. He he had a lot of he had a good time with it.
1: Very cool. Your your video game experience is uh, kind of broadening out into your life in different ways, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, like last year uh, for Mother's Day, he made her um, the the Piranha Plant from uh, from the Mario games, but, but he he made it with perler beads. Okay. So, you know, you, you put them all down on the little pegboard and then you put some parchment paper on top and iron it so it all sticks together. And uh, we had like a pot at, like a little clay pot. So we like filled that up with soil and then had have the plant coming out of it.
1: Oh, neat. Yeah. Cool. Very cool. Very cool. Um, we have, I guess the thing we do is, uh, I don't know if you've heard of aqua beads. It's not a real plant or anything. It's like these bead things. You basically, it's almost like, Like if you can think of like cross stitching, you just pick where all the different colors go, and then you have this almost like pixelated image that gets made. But when you're you're done, you pour water on them, and then they they have this slimy coating that they come in, and it all kind of like melts together into an image, and then you have this physical thing you can keep. Okay. Uh, My kids are pretty into that. We also have my kids also do the origami thing, which is awesome. But um, one thing I find (laughs) challenging is like they draw a lot and they draw a lot of pictures, but those are easy to store. You just have piles of paper, but the yeah. origami because of the dimensionality <laughs> like when you have like i literally have a bag of it beside my uh my my computer i have no idea what i'm going to do with it um Burn pit, it. <laughs> yeah right <laughs> pictures you, I mean, like pictures kids have drawn you can take pictures of it now you have it forever right yeah origami yeah you can take a picture but it's kind of not not really the same i don't know store yeah. keep the best ones and take pictures and move on with my life i guess
0: yeah I'll I'll just have to start teaching him to make it in uh, 3D on my computer instead. There you go.
1: Get him on Blender as soon as possible.
0: Yeah. Let's call it a, a day. We're over an hour now. All right, man.
1: Chill. Happy Mother's Day.
0: Yep to all to all the mothers to out all there. All the mothers out there listening to our podcast. <laughs> Someday we won't laugh when we say that, right? <laughs> Someday we'll have uh, you know. Uh, advertisers digits. and everything. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, man. All right, man. Take care.
0: All right. Cheers. <laughs> See you.